How's everybody doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's your name again? Andrea? I'm, I'm joking. Ask, ask me how I'm doing. I'm, I'm, really, I'm really excited. I'm, I'm really excited. I'm really excited to be here. And, and the reason that I'm really excited to be here, uh, I kind of need the PowerPoint to tell the story, but um, sorry. <laughs> oh, I, had, I, I think I was supposed to click the slide there. Okay. Well, the reason that I'm really excited to be here, and the reason that I just came on, is because of this, this guy that's, uh, that's kind of been living at my house for the past year. And I don't know if any of you are familiar with this guy. Anybody recognize him? Anybody? No? No? Well, this is, this is Hans Christian Andersen, okay? This is Hans Christian Andersen. He's, uh, he's, actually, he's actually been dead for a long time. He lived about 200 years ago. But uh, he was a pretty famous uh, European author, writer, uh, playwright, did all kinds of cool stuff. Um, Probably one of his more famous things that you've read, maybe, when you were younger, is uh, this, this play that he wrote called The Snow Queen, okay? Everybody recognize this? Okay, well, The Snow Queen, after 75 years of negotiation and rejection and production and back and forth, became known as this Disney masterpiece known as Frozen, okay? And the reason that I'm excited to be here is because I'm here and not at my house watching Frozen again. <laughs> Most of you who know me know that I have three little girls um, who uh, are just obsessed with Frozen. Uh, like, most, uh, like most little girls in this, uh, in this country, um, I, th I counted recently, and I think we went to about 137 birthday parties that were Frozen-themed last year. There was one weekend we went to four Frozen-themed birthday parties in one weekend. And my daughter spent Sunday night comparing the frozen birthday parties. Like, this one sucked, and this one was good, and, you know, it just, and it's just, like, that's what it's come to, you know? It's like ranking the frozen birthday parties. Who can outdo one another? Uh, my daughter, Haven, my middle daughter, Haven, who's kind of the little raucous one you see running around church sometimes, she, uh, she goes to a preschool. She'll be in kindergarten next year, and they actually have Princess Day at their, at their school once a month, and it's not a question of which princess, which movie princess are you going to dress up as? It's just, are you going to be Elsa or are you going to be Anna? I mean, that's it. And there are little boys that dress up as princesses at her school. And I don't understand what that is, but, but, that's, uh, but that's, that's what's happening. I mean, Frozen is just, it's not a movie. It's become kind of a way of life for a lot of people. And <clears throat> I'm, I'm only teasing, of course, about being excited about here instead of being home or Frozen, but it's, it's, a, it's, a really, it's a really powerful story. Has anybody seen it? Everybody seen it? Everybody? Can I see a show of hands? I, I just want to know how. Okay, okay. so everybody's seen it. Okay, so everybody's going to hear this story before, but for Chris and Cindy's sake, I'll tell the, the, the two-minute version of, of, of Frozen. Oh, you've seen it. Okay. Somebody hasn't seen it. Okay, Some, this is being recorded or something. Somebody's not going to know what Frozen is. It's being podcast, but anyways, as, you, as I'm sure you all know, the story is that these two, these two sisters, Elsa, who is the heir to the throne and and uh, has this, you know, she's beautiful, and she has this magical powers that create snow and ice at will. And then there's her younger sister, Anna, who's, you know, not magical, kind of plain, and, you know, that's just who she is. But they're sisters, and for, for whatever reason, they have to be separated um, during most of their childhood. And there's just this rift that grows between them. And, of course, you know, as the, as the third-party observer, that um, the reason is to protect Anna, because Elsa does, doesn't know how to control her magical powers of ice or whatever, and, you know, Anna's got to be protected, so they just have to keep them separated, okay? And so they spend this childhood just in confusion, and they just don't know what's going on, and they just, 
they're kind of at odds, and it's just weird. So they grow up, and you know, Anna or Elsa, the, the Snow Queen, uh, ends up becoming queen and ends up freezing Anna in the heart. Okay, and again, I'm sorry, I'm telling this story again. I was hoping that at least one person hadn't seen the movie before, <clears throat> but um, so Anna gets frozen in the heart. And the boyfriend guy, who's like not Prince Charming at all, uh, runs off to, you know, the trolls, because they know what to do in this situation. And the trolls tell <laughs> the not Prince Charming guy the only way to, to thaw her out so that she doesn't freeze to death is an act of true love. Okay? And if you saw this movie in the theater, this is the part where you started hearing these groans from every father in the theater who's just like, Walt Disney, not again. <laughs> just please, anything but another Prince Charming, another fairy godmother, another just out of left field ending to a movie, okay? And so the, the boyfriend guy rushes back, you know, like he's, you know, he's just, he's worked up the courage and he's like, I know what I have to do. I have to go plant a kiss on this girl, you know, to save her. She's going to freeze. So he's rushing back and, you know, it's just this crazy ending where they, you know, there's just the music gets loud, and there's this climactic ending, and, and, and everything's coming together, and the bad guys are closing in, and the boyfriend can't get there in time, and, and then just, she just freezes. And you're going, wait, that's, that's not how it's supposed to end. She's not supposed to freeze. She's supposed to be saved. You're supposed to kiss her, and you're supposed to freeze her. So you're sitting there for a few seconds going, I don't, this, this isn't right. And then, out of nowhere, Elsa, the Snow Queen, comes over, and just gives her this huge embrace and just starts crying and it's just this really really sad scene and then one of the most remarkable things happens she starts to thaw right you, right chris she starts to thaw that's what happens <laughs> she starts to thaw she starts to come back to life <coughs> and yeah i'm sorry for spoiling it for you you're gonna have to see it but but you know at that point in time everybody in the theater is just going Wait, where's, where's the prince? Where's the knight in shining armor? Where's the, where's the fairy godmother in the pumpkin or whatever? And, you know, not, it's, it's just, it's a really silly Disney movie with lots of fun and silliness and everything that goes along with Disney. But I don't think most children who watch that movie really understand what happened right there. Okay? I mean, they can recite the entire movie to you, but they don't actually know what happened. I, I'm an engineer, so I'm always doing experiments, right? Like, I love just watching social interactions and just forming data and coming to conclusions and using the scientific method and all those things that nerds like to do. But I deliberately let my girls watch this movie and I, I made a point to come, come into the room and watch them, watch that scene. And I said, and I paused it, I said, girls, what, what happened right there? And they said, well, that was the act of true love. And I said, well, what made it the act of true love? I mean, was it the hug? I said, no. So was it crying? No. Like, well, what was it? And she said, I don't know, Dad, just leave us alone, you know? <laughs> just, it was an act of true love. That's what it was. And, you know, it's amazing because the act of true love in that movie is, is really, in a sense, kind of the ultimate act of true love. Just kind of those two girls, Elsa, just kind of coming up and reconciling with her sister that she was at odds with. Just, you know, forgiving her in the deepest portion of her heart. And... You know, kind of interesting to give, give you a little foreshadowing. I mean, it's really interesting that forgiveness is what healed Anna's body, but it also healed Elsa's heart, right? That, that simple act of reconciliation and forgiveness 
And, and that's really what I want to talk to you about tonight. If, uh, I don't know if you have your, your Bible with you, but I want to talk about Luke chapter 5, verses 17 through 26, which is the story of Jesus healing the paralyzed man. Okay, let me just read this to you. <clears throat> One day Jesus was teaching, and the Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately the man stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. So I think I actually skipped a slide. That was the scene where he, she praises or whatever. But, um, but uh, this, is really, this is really one of my favorite stories of the Bible. Um, this, is a, this is a picture that I took um, out of the, the, the children's Bible that I had when I was a little kid. Um, that's just one of the picture scenes from that book, but you can see the, the picture of uh, the man being lowered in there. So we're in this scene where Jesus, we hear, is filled with the power of God to heal. He's in this house with all these people, Pharisees from Pharisees and teachers of the law and a big crowd. Um, they came from Galilee, which is to the north of where they're at, and Judea, which is to the south, and then Jerusalem, which is, of course, where the temple was. So you had sort of these scholarly people that knew everything there was to know about the Jewish law, um, at least in the textbook way of knowing things, um, from all over. And we all, we all know this story, and uh, we love this story, as I have loved it since I was a kid, um, that there are these people who care about a man who can't walk enough that they bring him into this house, can't get him in, so they decide to tear a hole in a stranger's roof and let a man down into the presence of Jesus. So they're filled with this expectation about what Jesus might do, right? I don't know if you remember what I talked about last time, but it wasn't what, what would Jesus do, but what did Jesus do? These people were hearing things about what Jesus was doing at that time. And so they were really excited with expectation about what, what he might do. Uh, he's been healing other people, and they're just you know, filled with hope that he might heal their friend for them. <clears throat> And as this friend appears in the room in the presence of these righteous people and these other arrogant righteous people and then the Lord Jesus Christ himself, uh, Jesus responds to the faith of the four men who brought him with some amazing words. Friend, your sins are forgiven. Friend, your sins are forgiven. Think about that for a second. What do you think that guy felt? What do you think his friends felt? If I was one of those friends, I'm thinking, I carried this guy all the way out here for that? Like, I carry, imagine the guy who owns the house. 
just ripped a hole in his roof, right? I mean, what, who's going to fix that? I don't have, you know, insurance in this day and age. <coughs> that's, that's, not the, that's not the ending anyone was hoping for, really. I mean, at that time, you know, you're, you're expecting Jesus to heal this guy. You know, it's, it's kind of like sitting through Frozen. You sit through the entire movie, and you're waiting for Prince Charming, and he never comes. And it's like, well, what happened? <coughs> so everybody was disappointed at this point. So we learned a, a chapter earlier in Luke 4 that Jesus is able to perceive everyone's thoughts and knows the hearts of men is the exact phrase that Luke uses. So Jesus says to them, which is easier to say to someone, your sins are forgiven, or to say get up and walk? Which is easier? Which is easier, Damien? Sins are forgiven or rise up and walk? Which is easier? No? The answer is that it's easier to say, rise up and walk. <clears throat> the answer is that it's easier to say, rise up and walk. So at this point, he tells the man to stand up, take his bed, and go home. Ah, here we go. All right. This is what everybody came to see. So the man picks up his mat, starts walking off, praising God, and he's happy. And it has a happy ending. But the point of this story is, is, is much deeper than that. Because to understand it, you have to understand a much broader context of what healing means rather than just healing someone's broken body or restoring their sight or even raising them from the dead. Jesus came into this world with a much more complete and holistic understanding of what healing really entails and the nature of God's creation of mankind and where it was they were really sick, right? So Jesus could look at this paralytic man who, you know, I don't know, maybe he never walked a day in his life, I don't know. But he could look at that man and say, my friend, your sickness is sin. It's not your legs, okay? It's not your, it's not your broken bones. It's not the disease that's in your body. It's the, it's the sin that's in your heart. And that's what I'm going to heal you from. Okay, that's the greatest act of true love that I can do for you. Because that's the, that's the greatest act of true love is th that there is. And the second greatest thing I can do for you is make you walk. <clears throat> and it's really no different for you and me. Everyone's greatest need is the healing of our soul through Christ's forgiveness. But, you know, a lot of times we are focused on our, on our body and our lives and things other than our heart, other than the sin in our heart that we really need forgiveness from. I don't know who was at church last Sunday, but I got asked to lead like the sort of customary prayer that we do at the beginning for the, for the sick people in our church. I said, you know, God, how, how long must these people suffer? Um, God, heal these people. And, and I certainly meant every word that I said, and I hope that he does today, right now. But one thing that I always wonder is if maybe it's part of God's plan in, in some of these cases, uh, similar to the crippled man in the story. Um, not necessarily so much to heal people from their bodily sickness, but to heal them through it. Heal their souls through their sicknesses and their life experiences. Okay? I mean, that man walked away from there 
you know, being able to walk, which is the greatest thing ever. But I'll bet, after that sunk in for a few days, I'll bet he said, you know what? That thing that he said at the beginning, that was, that was pretty awesome too. And, met, and I guarantee you, that man up in heaven right now is realizing what Jesus was really saying. <clears throat> so the, you know, a lot of times you have the, for most of us in this room, it's not, it's not, you know, being a paraplegic or even even sick at all. Um, it's usually things that are not life-threatening. You know, you're having trouble with, you know, you're, you're unhappy with your appearance or um, you're stuck in despair or depression. You're just not happy. Um, just remember that don't miss the point of healing and don't forget where it is that we need healing the most because God heals the hearts of his people um, through tough life experiences all the time. Another thing to remember, and this one you might, might resonate with you a little bit more than the first one, as most of you have never really been sick, I'm assuming, um, is that he heals us among other people, okay? Um, it, it happens, you know, it happens all the time. I mean, I just think about, you know, Annette Sharp at our church. I mean, why in the world does she have breast cancer? And there are just plenty of awful people in this world that deserve breast cancer a lot worse than she does. I mean, God, there must be some mistake. I mean, this, okay, this is the preacher's wife we're talking about, okay? This, this, just, this is not fair. This should not be like this. Um, but, you know, she comes to church, and I just witness her strong faith every Sunday and her resilience and her, how she just doesn't blame God for anything, and she just is happy and pleasant, and I'm telling you, watching her faith in many ways, has healed my faith. And I'm sure it's not just me. How many of you know who Alan Graham is? Anybody? Other than Chris, maybe? You know who Alan Graham is? is Mobile Loaves and Fishes guy? Yeah, okay, yeah. Well, he's a, he's a, pretty, he's a former uh, real estate developer, really wildly successful from what I understand. He hasn't been doing it in a while. But he's sort of dedicated his life to serving the homeless in a ministry. This guy spent something like 200 days on the street, like living on the street with homeless people, just learning, learning about them and learning them and just learning how to serve them and what their needs are. Um, I, I, I'm sure Carrie told you there would be no homework, but you, I'm going to give you a homework assignment. And that is, in your four years here in Austin, go find Alan Graham and go listen to him talk sometime because his story is just remarkable. But anyways, he has a really interesting theory about... Um, Homelessness and what causes it. Um, he says it's not the things that are sort of thrown around like mental illness and uh, drug addiction and um, anything like that. It's, it's a chronic, uh, excuse me, a catastrophic destruction of family. Okay? These people just don't have anywhere to turn. Okay? I mean, if you drove home tonight and your apartment was burned down and somebody robbed you and took your clothes and you had absolutely nothing, there's a dozen people you could call that would stop what they're doing and come get you, right? Your parents, probably from wherever you're from. Happy, happiness or? <laughs> paradise, paradise. Oh, man. <laughs> Goodness gracious, I was close. I knew this. <laughs> Just script it, change it. <laughs> paradise, excuse me. <clears throat> They'd come from paradise down to Austin, down to the other paradise. But anyways, <clears throat> Alan Graham um, has a really interesting way of, uh, of helping these people and he says, you know, I, you didn't get a fair shake in life. We know that. 
You know, this is not fair. But the way to help you heal is through just simply forgiveness, okay? You just have to reconcile, you just have to reconcile with yourself that, you know, you just, you just can't hold on to bitterness. You just can't do it because there's no way to make progress without it, okay? Look at another example at our church. I mean, who knows who Craig Moore is? You know who Craig Moore is. A few people. He was an elder at this church, and he was out serving a high school, uh, helping him rebuild a track, right? He's volunteering on a Saturday morning. And he just had this awful cardiac event, like a heart attack. And he, he was never the same. He was never, his brain was never the same again. He was never really able to communicate with his family, uh, kind of in this vegetative type state. And he, he eventually ended up dying because of it. But, you know, the faith of his family really grew because of that, I think. And those of us in this church, I mean, our church really grew closer because of that experience. It had nothing to do, I mean, there was nothing about what happened to him that was a cause of, of I mean, it was, that was his fault, okay? But God used that experience, I think, to heal a lot of people in our church. And our church grew closer because of it. It sort of broke down some barriers, you know. <clears throat> but, you know, he, he uses our own life experiences. He uses other people's life experiences to help us, you know, eradicate the bitterness out of our life so we can forgive and accept his forgiveness. But perhaps the most relevant way that he forgives us is through our forgiveness of other people. Because you see, I don't, I don't know that forgiveness is something that we do for other people. We kind of do it on behalf of Jesus for ourselves so that we can be healed by him. Okay? But that's, that's a pretty powerful thing. But it also can be kind of dangerous. I don't know if any of you, I may have skipped a couple of slides here, but um, I don't know if any of you remember the Lord's Prayer by heart. I don't know where I was going with that one. but. <laughs> But, you know, we pray the Lord's Prayer every Sunday at church, right? I mean, you probably say it on your own. And so what do we say? I mean, it's like the only thing that we say in that prayer that's not really a request to God. I mean, most of them, you know, say, give us our daily bread and take care of us and forgive us of our sins. We say, forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Okay? Like, that's a promise that we're making back to God. But we're also saying... God, I want you to look at my life in the way that I forgive people and forgive me that same way. That's pretty, that can be pretty dangerous. Are you, are you sure you're ready to say that? This morning I was, I was uh, invited to go have breakfast with the partners in my company and, you know, just to give them some updates on some stuff. And, uh, you know, I ordered breakfast tacos and the, the lady didn't put salsa on them. Okay, I ordered salsa. I paid for salsa. There was no salsa on my breakfast tacos. Did she not understand that I deserve that salsa? I'm, I'm mad that I wanted the salsa. Okay? And, and I couldn't get her attention, and I just ate the breakfast tacos without salsa. But you know what? God, forgive me as I forgive her about not putting salsa on my breakfast taco. And, and you know, I mean, there's a thousand stories. On the way over here, there was a guy that did one of those things where the light was taking forever, and there was a lot of traffic. And his light, he was going 90 degrees from me. And so his light turned red. And so he pulled into the intersection, just blocked both lanes of traffic. 
And I mean, doesn't he know that I have somewhere to be? Doesn't he know that my time is really valuable? I mean, I'm angry. What is he doing? But you know what? God, I want you to look at the way that I forgave that guy and forgive me the same way. When I was in high school, one of my very, very best friends from childhood, Josh Roberts, was killed in a car wreck driving with another one of my best friends from high school. And that guy was drunk. So you had one of my friends kill another one of my friends in a car wreck. I mean, he's responsible. And it's still hard to talk about now, but God, I want you to forgive me like I forgive John. Similar situation, not, not too much longer after that event, my, uh, my, my mom kind of abruptly left my dad. Okay? I had a pretty rigid upbringing, went to church three times a week, involved in everything, and then I basically didn't have a curfew or anything, and I woke up each morning with a $20 bill in on the counter, and that was my money for the day to pay for gas and food and whatever else I needed. And I spent a long time forgiving my mom, but God, I want you to forgive me the way that I forgive my mom. Okay? She tore, I mean, I don't, I don't know the whole story. I probably never will, but my family was torn apart as a result of her leaving. But God, forgive me. Forgi- forgive me the way that I forgive her. So, a few other things. I don't know. Anybody recognize this? That was a, kind of a funny one. Kind of got away from that, but it's supposed to be another trespasser. <laughs> Had to throw that in there. But does, this, does anybody recognize this at all? This is a recent event. I know, I know you guys don't watch the news, but... <clears throat> so, these ISIS terrorists, right, that we're hearing about, <clears throat> they kidnapped a Japanese journalist and beheaded him on TV and sent it to the Japanese government. Okay? And the Japanese government's response was, we will never, never forgive. We will never, never forgive. Okay? A little bit closer to home, right? Remember that? Anybody remember that? Of course, you guys were probably like little kids when this happened, but this was, this was 2011. This was September 11th when this happened. You saw signs like this on buildings in New York. We will never forgive. We will never forgive. So how do you reconcile that stuff as a Christian? You know, maybe you don't have a story as extreme as this. Maybe your best friend didn't die when you were young or your parents divorced. But there are people in your life that have hurt you. How do you reconcile that? Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Okay? This is the this is the grading scale that you are asking God to put you on. You say, God, grade me on this curve. I want you to forgive me as I forgive other people. Well, our biggest healing need is the forgiveness of Jesus. And sometimes he heals us in unexpected ways. Sometimes through our own forgiveness, sometimes through other people's experiences, sometimes through our own life experiences. But 
the really elegant thing about it is that um, his sacrifice of forgiveness by coming to this earth and dying on the cross for us um, is the most powerful act of true love, and it's abundant, and it's free, and it's, it's open to everybody. Um, <clears throat> but the thing you have to remember with statements like this is that there's just not enough room in anyone's heart for both bitterness and Jesus. Okay, there's just not enough room. They both take up more than half, and they're not going to give in to the other one. Okay? So you have, to, you have to accept one and get rid of the other. And it's really hard, and it's a process, and it's not, it takes, it takes maintenance. It takes constant refocus. Well, I really, I really appreciate Carrie asking me to talk tonight, kind of short notice, if I can throw a little jab in there, but, <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> I, don't, uh, I don't really consider myself an expert in this, in this topic at all, um, only to the extent that I have been forgiven a lot by Jesus and by a lot of people, by my family, by everyone around me. I have been the recipient of, of a lot of forgiveness. And for me to learn to forgive people um, takes, a, takes, a, takes a constant refocus and rebalancing on, on things like this. I'm just like, you know what? I got to stop and I got to say, you know what? God, grade me like this. Well, they say that <clears throat> the best way to, to learn these things at least what it, the saying is that the best way to learn things is to teach, teach it. And so thank you for inviting me to teach and, and, and learn in front of you guys. So thank you so much for your time.